Hey everyone, my name is Maya and I'm an M1 at the Harvard MIT MD PhD program. My name is Kenneth. I'm an M1 at the Penn MD PhD program. We run Journey to the Double Doc, a YouTube channel, and now a podcast where we discuss MD PhD programs, science, medicine, and our paths to the Double Doc. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to our series on applying to MD-PhD. So this video, we want to cover uh, letters of recommendations and then pre-writing secondaries um, after we've um, written our primary application. Going off of that, the first thing that we wanted to talk about were how to sort of pick who should write your letter of recommendation. Um, and in general, there's really no perfect formula. You just really want to ask yourself who can write the best letter for you with your particular goals in mind. Um, and in the end, these letters should really give a kind of a complete picture of who you are. So they shouldn't just be people who can speak to like your academic ability or your research potential, but also someone who can speak to maybe what you do in a clinical setting or someone who can speak to your extracurricular involvement. Um, so just to give an example, for me, um, I tended to focus on having letters from my research mentors, which we'll talk a little bit more about in a second. But then I also had a professor that I TA'd with, um, someone who I took a writing class with who I really liked, and then also um, the person who I work with as a residential advisor at my college, just because I felt like she was really able to speak to kind of more of my interpersonal skills and other things that don't really fall under research, but are super important to being a physician scientist. As Maya mentioned, research mentors are obviously a critical part of your MD-PhD application. And in general, a good rule of thumb is to ask everyone that you've worked for um, in a research capacity for a letter of rec. Um, one notable exception is that if you've just started working for them and you haven't had the time to build a relationship or demonstrate um, your work in the lab, then it's not an appropriate a letter to ask for at this point. However, sending in a letter from every research experiment, uh, every research experience depends on the school. So in my case, um, I had um, a number of research, I had around six or so letters um, from different research mentors, and I didn't want to send it to every single school. So I looked at um, each school's website or reached out to them by email um, to see if they required um, every single letter. And a number of schools did do did require. So among the list of schools that I applied to, Harvard re required um, a letter from every research experience. Um, Hopkins, NYU, Penn, Bandy, and WashU did. Um, so it really depends. So when I reached out to schools like Tri-I, Yale, and Sinai, they said they didn't need it. So I didn't send all the letters. Um, I didn't send the letters because it was a question for me of quantity over quality. Um, there's only I didn't feel that the additional letters would be adding anything additional to my application beyond what the letters from the other research mentors already demonstrated. So I didn't want to, I didn't feel the need to send it. And I think when I was talking to these schools, the ones that said they didn't need it, they agreed that they would rather receive quality letters over quantity of letters. Uh, one of my letters did come from an industry experiment experience. So I was at Genentech for a summer. Um, so I did have a letter from um, my research mentor because I was in a position that was um, a research position. It was in the research and early development arm of Genentech. Um, if, your pro if your work at a biotech company was not research um, heavy or intensive, for example, if you like you were um, doing uh, lead, lead generation for a biotech startup that 
are trying that they're trying to market their product and see what labs would be interested in leveraging their technology um, that letter wouldn't be considered a research letter per se it's just a different experience um, that you can choose to highlight but i wouldn't classify that as a research experience so other than research depending on the school there are some other school specific requirements some may require a letter from a science professor or a humanities professor um, but in general it's good to think about crafting your letter of recommendation choice to um, choose people who can speak to skills that will be important for you as a physician and physician scientists. Um, um, examples include clinical letters from clinical experiences or service experiences like Maya had mentioned. And in general, it doesn't have to be from a physician scientist. Um, if, you have, if you haven't had the opportunity to work with physician scientists closely, that is not something that is necessarily in your control. And, ICOMs do recognize that um, fact. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, for me personally, I didn't have any letters from physician scientists, and that was just because the people I worked with um, in the research labs tend to just be PhDs, and people I shadowed with were just MDs, so I didn't really have someone to bridge the gap, and it was totally fine. Um, Moving forward to kind of more logistical stuff with layers of recommendation, um, especially for MD-PhD, you're usually inviting a large amount of people to write you letters because you have to bring in a lot of your research experiences. So before you send out your emails, um, just try to draft one really comprehensive kind of set of instructions with all the necessary deadlines, information, et cetera, just to make it as easy as possible for your letter writer. Um, you can also include a CV or resume for them. Um, I personally did, but chances are they probably won't really use it. Um, and that's actually pretty important because you don't want them to just reiterate your accomplishments, but rather speak to their personal experience with you and kind of their perception of you in whatever capacity they got to know you. Um, another just little quirk about how these letters of recommendation work for MD-PhD and MD applicants, um, you need to have letters that are signed and on official letterhead. So um, that's just something that you should also make sure to tell whoever you're asking for letters of recommendation. Um, and then if you have a committee who puts things together, usually you'll just send the letters to the committee and they'll either write a committee letter or just a simple letter packet, depending on how your school works. But if you don't have a committee um, or anything like that, Interfolio is a really good option for collecting letters and then being able to send them off to the various programs that you're applying to. So now kind of just thinking about how the transition deadline is July 10th, so it's a little bit later this year. Um, it's good to still ask professors or whoever you're asking to submit letters of recommendation a little early, just because right now times are really hectic and it's possible that you need to ask someone else or just kind of change around who you're going to get your letters of rec from. But um, don't panic if they're still taking a while to get back to you. Um, usually secondaries are just automatically sent to you without screening, which I think we've discussed before. So in general, your letters of rec probably aren't gonna be reviewed until actually um, the schools receive back your secondary. So try not to worry too much, um, but still be in communication with your letters of, uh, with your recommenders and make sure that they still have an idea of what these deadlines are. And during the interim between um, submitting your primary and um, transmission and getting the secondaries automatically, like Maya mentioned, a good thing to be thinking about during this time is pre-writing those secondaries. So um, it is mm, common that schools will reuse their secondaries um, from year to year. So scouting out secondaries can be very helpful in preparing for the flood of secondaries that come once your application gets transmitted to each medical school and they then in turn send you the secondaries. So many of the secondaries will share common essays. Um, 
they include uh, a diversity essay of some sort or uh, how did you overcome a certain challenge essay and then this year specifically i think that it is well it's it's very probable um that some schools will be having an optional space to discuss how COVID-19 has impacted you. Um, I think that that would be an appropriate space to mention how your plans have been changed um, and how you've reacted to this change um, in light of this. If your circumstances have changed, you need to take care of a family member, it's a great place to be mentioning and raising this for adcoms to be aware of. Um, other than that, in general, schools will also ask why in particular are you interested in this school, as well as your research interests. And those two kind of go together and um, that you can mention your research interests um, in the why that school in particular. And then you just essay mention why that school is appropriate or a great fit for your researchers in particular. Um, in general, um, I think that those second, the secondaries will give you the opportunity to um, highlight um, your ability to work in a team and demonstrate leadership as well. Um, both um, are important to becoming a physician and physician scientist, both being a leader and being um, a team player. So don't um, forget to mention both sides of it. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think that those are um, the most common essays that we've seen. I think one other thing that might be a little bit confusing is that You'll often see that many schools have like an optional section where they'll basically just be like, if there's anything else we should know, um, let us know here. So of course, um, if you have something specific, you can definitely write it in there. But a good way to use that space if you don't have anything in specific is to write why that school if that wasn't already asked. So I know that there's a few programs that don't explicitly ask like why X. Um, one school that I'm thinking of is the Duke MD PhD application specifically. Um, the Duke MD application has 10 essays, but <laughs> luckily as an MD PhD applicant, you don't need to do that. Just like a heads up if you're considering Duke. Um, but I think that's a really good space to kind of convey why you're interested in that school. Because I do think, like, as we've been talking about kind of throughout this series, like a huge part of who gets interviews and ultimately accepted is fit with the school. So you really want to convey not only why you're going to be a good physician scientist in general, but how you specifically could really benefit from training in a particular program and in turn how that program could benefit from having you as a student. So um, in terms of looking at prompts, um, usually you can find them just using things like SDN or there's like a few random websites where if you just Google like the name of the school in secondaries, it will come up. Um, make sure you're looking for MD PhD specific prompts. Oftentimes they're either a superset of the MD prompts or completely different. Um, but in general, that should be a pretty good reference. And I think that if you pre-write, then you'll be well on your way to a successful and on time secondary application and so forth. Those are excellent points. As always, we are free to um, give feedback, comments, or answer any questions in particular. And recently on Twitter, there has been this great thread where people have been volunteering to um, be mentors or look or help applicants or any um, med students, pre-meds along the path. So we're going to link that below as well. So until next time, thanks guys.